It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. Thank you for joining me on this Sunday morning. Today, we're going to take trips. Today, we're going to learn about nature. Today, we're going to learn about wildlife, all of that. You're like, Cheryl, how can you bring us all that in 30 seconds, 30 minutes, I should say? Well, I can do it because I have on the line with me the one and only Heather Williams. Now, full disclosure... This is my niece, okay? But she's extraordinary, so that's why she's on this morning, okay? Hello, (laughs) Heather, and welcome back to the U.S. How are you? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Hi. (laughs) Well, I'm excited because you have been so many places that we would never think to go, and you just have this different attitude about wildlife and animals and nature. And I remember when Heather was a little girl, I remember asking her what what kind of pets she would have when she was older because she obviously as a little girl liked animals and she told me dogs and cats and a komodo dragon i will never forget this child telling me she wanted a komodo dragon i'm like what is a komodo dragon do you still want a komodo dragon heather uh, not as a pet, but I would love to appreciate it from a distance. <laughs> okay. All right. So the background on Heather is that she grew up in Virginia, uh, went to school in Glen Allen. You know, if you know Henrico County, went to school in Glen Allen. And then she matriculated at Virginia Tech. Well, first at Glen Allen, you were involved in what? What did you do for extracurricular activities? Oh, my gosh. So much. I was in the National Honor Society. I was in bands full time. I played two different instruments. I was in the soccer team. I was in so many different clubs and variations of sorts. But if there was a club I could join, best believe I was in there. (laughs) What were the instruments that you played? Uh, Trumpet and French horn were my main ones. I started trumpet since I was in middle school. But then I migrated to French horn because... I was able to kind of define it as my own instrument. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have anybody to teach me, but my band desperately needed one. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting to all county orchestra. I ended up being in the first symphonic band in Glen Allen. I was the first of my school to do it. Um, I ended up being an all state band for a few years on French horn. So absolutely was able to define it as my own. And I love playing French horn. <laughs> That's right. You did that. And then you decided, Oh, I think I will go to Virginia Tech. So tell us how Virginia Tech played into what you thought you wanted to do with your life. Absolutely. So Virginia Tech, I got my undergrad in animal and poultry science with an emphasis in swine. So I really, really liked pigs. And I thought that I wanted to do some research in basically because pig anatomy is very, very similar to us as uh, babies. But I thought you told me monkeys were. They were. Yes, they are as well, but pigs are closer. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Pigs are even closer. Oh, yeah. We share a lot of, like, similar behavioral traits with monkeys in that sense. Like, pigs and us are very different. (laughs) But uh, in terms of anatomy, uh, pigs and babies basically are the exact same in terms of immune defense, in terms of, you know, structure, etc. But as I got older... And, you know, as I continued on with my program, I realized I love pigs, but I didn't really like the people that worked with pigs. Um, and that goes on to say, I, I won't go into too much grimy details, 
but we had to work in like a slaughterhouse for a semester. We've had to do like various things where they, they kind of justified various actions being like, oh, well, pigs don't feel the way we do. And I said, yeah, um, I'm good. So I went on the other extreme. I took a wildlife class at Virginia Tech and they were able to open this new world of just like taking a more conservationist approach to animals and how to say, oh, like planes and geese are each other's worst nightmares. Uh, we unfortunately, not slaughter, but we accidentally hit hundreds of geese, thousands of geese a year um, in every airport known to man. So we try to figure out a very humane approach of maybe uh, introducing sound barriers and like playing a predator nearby so the geese would naturally migrate away or maybe there's a smell in the air and we as a class would have to figure out like our proposal and then we would see what kind of solutions that other conservationists were able to come up with. Mm -hmm. And that really opened my eyes to be like, I like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a good approach. Yeah. So that's like when you told me when I asked you, I say, I walk around the neighborhood and sometimes people's dogs are loose. What kind of spray should I take? And you tell me, I'm sure you need to put some food in your pockets. Do you remember telling okay. me that? I did. I sure did. You're like, because put the treats be... in the pocket, but we don't think like that. We think put something in our pocket to defend ourselves that would, mm. you know, I guess the word that would stop them. But you came up with an approach, something that would stop them, that would make them happy. Yeah, that would full on distract them because they'll be more interested in that and they won't necessarily bite. They'll just be like, what is that? Even like even if you rub your hands in ham, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it because I, I, I say eat ham as it is. But mm-hmm. <laughs> even if you smell like meat, they'll just be like, what is that? Why do you smell so different? And they'll go from necessarily if you're scared of like bigger dogs and things like that, they'll go from an aggressive approach to more of a curious approach. Um, and when, you know, humans are curious or animals are curious, they explore things with their mouths, but gently. So even like sharks will do it very similarly where they'll just kind of like, put their mouth in their or put your hand in their mouth and they'll kind of feel around they'll be like you're not really edible and then they'll you know they'll go about their business um so and you I did think that, that kind of, well <laughs> i do carry around treats uh but if we're talking about dogs or things that are bigger i'll, I'll get into my experience with being less than 10 feet away from a bear shortly okay. um and how we've had handle that. Mm. but we did not have any type of meat on us in that case Uh, But if it comes to dogs, that is a good distraction habit. We will keep that in the tip jar. We will always remember (laughs) that. And so you you did graduate from Virginia Tech. You got that 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 diploma. And then what did you decide you wanted to do? Well, that year was the year that COVID hit. So everything in the world was basically at a standstill. And when I graduated, you know, I had a lot of time to reflect and, you know, question what I wanted to do, quote unquote, for the rest of my life. And I realized that I couldn't get that wildlife class out of my mind. So I looked at a few classes overseas to start with uh, to see what kind of programs they had to offer, because. You know, my experience with working with uh, people that are from all around the world, I've had friends that are from England, Colombia, Switzerland, Russia, Sweden. Like, I've met people from all across the world, all walks of life. And they were telling me, like, their educational programs were 
some of the best they've ever had. And for a fraction of the price. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> so was, That's true. Yeah. It's very, mm-hmm. very true. Uh, my Scottish friends, their education as well as master's education is completely free, which is just like such a weird concept to wrap my head around as well, especially as, you know, a 21-year-old girl. Uh, but I decided, I was like, why not? Just take a peek. And if I was interested in something, why not? And I found a few programs. I found one at the University of Kent. I found one at the University of South Wales. And I think I found one in the Netherlands, and the name escapes me. Um, And there was the University of Bristol, now that I remember. Yeah, the orange and white. That's it. And then I found a few programs in America. And I think it was like Texas A&M, Iowa State University, and there was one other but what I noticed is the locations of these schools were very, very different uh, demographically. The U.K. overall is just so much smaller mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be 30 minutes away from any near city. I mm-hmm. Just right around the corner, I could be in a heavily populated area, but also another you know, 30, 40 minute drive or train ride, I would be in the complete wilderness. Versus if I was in Texas A&M and no, no hatred, no, obviously nothing, no hate to them. Cause I, I, I love the school. It was gorgeous, but I would be a little bit in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with Iowa state university as well. And also in looking at prices, I was just like, I think university of South Wales had everything I wanted, the ability to travel, the ability to like not only apply things in my classroom onto a piece of paper, how well are you able to not necessarily regurgitate knowledge, but how well are you able to apply it? But how well can you apply it in the field? Like, can you go to a completely different place, understand our ecosystem, apply what you've learned in the classroom to maybe better practices for the local people of wherever we go? And I really loved that freedom of us being able to choose where we go as well. It was just an unbelievable experience. But that's the reason I chose the University of South Wales. (laughs) And so when you told my brother and my sister-in-law you were going to go to Wales, what was the reaction? (laughs) Where is that? (laughs) (laughs) Which is absolutely fair. In my mind, before I... Uh, even did research. I just found out, you know, the university's name. Um, and rather than Googling, uh, my mind just put Wales next to Norway for some reason, or where Norway was on the map or is on the map. Um, I didn't even think it was attached to England. Mm-hmm. I had no idea because on our map, it's not defined as Wales. It's just you have Scotland and you have England. And that's it on most of our maps in the United States. But, uh, most people did not know where it was, didn't know much about it. And I did some research uh, for just like the area itself, because it's important not only to know, you know, the program you're going to go into, but what's the area like? What are the people like? What do they have to offer you as a community? And Wales offered me everything and more. I will preach to the high heavens that Welsh people are some of the nicest, most approachable, southern hospitality, clean just this this beautiful, sweet people that reminded me home away from home. Wow, that's wonderful. And when you got yeah. into that program uh, at the University of South Wales, you went to other countries. Can you take us on a junket of where you went? Absolutely. So the first trip we went to was 
in Wales, because a lot of us were, half of us were from all around the world, and the other half of our program were, were from Wales or England. So we had people from Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, uh, Canada, America. Uh, we had people from India. Like, it was just a beautiful blend of cultures. So obviously, they wanted to take us somewhere in Wales first. So we went to this place called Pembrokeshire, which I cannot pronounce it without saying the accent. Okay. <laughs> Pembrokeshire. Um, but we watched uh, seal migrations and, you know, they were able to migrate there and then they laid their pups and we were able to watch over the week as they got older and like they would come out and feed them. We did bats and bird surveys like it was just this beautiful introduction to wildlife as a whole. But as the program progressed, we started going like further out. We went to the Highlands in Scotland, which was gorgeous. We drove by the Loch Ness, which was amazingly beautiful Mm -hmm. uh the wildlife out there is so pristine and it's so gorgeous (laughs) but while we were out there we were supposed to evaluate beaver reintroductions within the uk um because of you know over fertilization and things like that lots of beavers have basically not been able to reproduce because of the chemicals in the water and uh constantly you know land being expanded on and they just didn't have enough room to prosper But now that we've lost them, we've noticed our ecosystem has basically hit the fan and we needed to restore that in some way. So they started to reintroduce beavers back into the ecosystem to see what kind of effect they would have on it. So now we're in the monitoring stage and seeing how well they're doing, how well their pups are. It's absolutely beautiful. But we spent about two weeks up there in Scotland. Mm Mm-hmm. And afterwards, we got to spend two weeks in Mexico, and that was absolutely beautiful. We spent two weeks in the Yucatan Peninsula, which is, if you imagine, uh, Mexico kind of like a mermaid tail. We were in the the tail part of the mermaid. Mm -hmm. Uh, We spent one week in the jungle. We've had Wait, 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 wait. Slow down for me. Okay. What is in the jungle? What's in the jungle? Oh, you have jaguars. We got... I believe mountain lions, pumas, ish, like a very much variation of that. You have these really aggressive, gorgeously colored turkeys. <laughs> but what you are a- you in, Heather? What what are you oh. in a house? Are you in a cabin? Are you what are, are you in? in? A- we in- are in a tent in the middle of Mexico during the little spring turning in summer. So it was about March, April time. So it's easily over a hundred degrees a day. We are sleeping in a tent for the first week. Yes, ma'am. But what, how do you, how are you protecting yourself against if a mountain lion comes, a jaguar comes? I don't understand. No, they have lots of, um, you know, deterrent for them walking in the camp. But the best, I think, mode is like we had people from the local area kind of guide us. So even if they found tracks way before we did, um, they would guide us so, you know, we don't even interact with them. We never got to see those big cats in person, thanks okay. be to Christ. <laughs> okay. Okay. But even then, because most of the, the cats are completely nocturnal. So if you were going to use the bathroom at mm-hmm. night, which there were no lights provided, you only had your flashlight or your phone, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, you know, that lasted about you know three days because we didn't have electricity out there. Um you would have to wake your roommate up, be like, hey, this is where I'm going. If I don't come back, you know, you got to let me know. <laughs> you got to let somebody else know who um, is from the local area. But nothing bad happened to any of us. Uh, 
yeah, literally, they, they protected us at all costs. Even when we went reptile hunting, we had this guy, I believe his name was Pedro. He was amazing. He would see a snake and be on the ground in 0.2 seconds. It was unreal. The way he would just dive on the ground and be like, all right, this is slightly venomous, but here you go. And like, take a look at this one. It's, and there's a completely gorgeous snake and completely beautiful, but oh my God, slightly venomous? And you just grabbed at it with your bare hands? It and, was and, and he, he wasn't killing it. He was showing it to you, right? Yeah. Telling us their importance in the ecosystem, what they ate, when they were active, etc. You could see the coloration, etc. Like it was so amazing. And, you know, after he would be done showing us, he would release it back safely and you know, the snake and him were completely unharmed because the snake is glad to see another day because after it's caught, it's like, well, (laughs) I guess that's it for me. Okay. But as soon as it's released, the snake just goes away and we go on our separate ways. So that was the jungle in Mexico. That was the jungle. It was absolutely gorgeous. We also did bird surveys, but that was at 3 a.m. in the morning where we started going out. But if you didn't have electricity, how do you know what time it is? (laughs) <laughs> they have lots of washes, and so did we. Uh, you had to buy a, uh, a basically an electronic watch. Well, not electronic. What is it called? Digital, okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. But just something where, you know, we all set the times at the same time, and you could set alarms on those because it's like the cheap ones from, I would like to say Target, but I know I bought it mine on, like, Amazon because <laughs> okay. we don't have Target in the U.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Yeah. Okay. Literally, that's how we kept all of our time. And and what did you, you do know, for had, food? Oh, they cooked for us. Who is they? Was, oh, uh, the local people. Okay. So they had, uh, I, I think this program is absolutely beautiful. So it's called Operation Wallacea. But these, this group in particular is able to incorporate, like, the local people into feeding us and hosting us and teaching us about not only nature, but our interaction with nature. It was such a cool experience because, you know, for Operation Wallacea, we come from throughout the world and multiple people come multiple times of the year. And because of that, they're able to, like, get this stable income as well. Oh. The economy, and yeah, throughout the world has just been, you know, as we know, really, really difficult to maintain that kind of tourist atmosphere especially somewhere like the yucatan peninsula because really where the tourists go is to the mayans and to like the giant beautiful structures in mexico which are awesome and amazing but they don't necessarily the people who tour that don't come for the nature they Mm -hmm. come for the sightseeing the pictures Mm -hmm. and everything else that's right yeah okay so you left mexico and where was next on the on the on the trip oh yeah so We spent the first week of Mexico in the jungle, the second week diving. That was gorgeous as well. Saw a whole bunch of coral reefs, saw a really, really rare fish, which the name escapes me now. But we saw a barracuda. We saw moray eels. We saw palmacentidae, which are just either giant angelfish or I'm, I'm forgetting the other name for them. But it was just absolutely beautiful, the diversity there as well. We saw giant sea turtles, green sea turtles. It was just unreal, that experience. And Mexico is doing this really cool program where they're doing rotational grazing because sea turtles are kind of like cows where they just, they munch, munch, munch until the grass is gone. Mm -hmm. Not as bad as sheep, but still really bad. Uh, But there's a certain moss that they avoid. So 
ecologists have figured out that if we just put that moss in that area, it doesn't even need to grow, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. even need to be intact. We just replace that moss there. They'll stop eating it. The seaweed or the seagrass can regrow and reestablish, and then the sea turtles can go back to it. Okay. And it's just like, that's such a cool human-to-turtle interaction. But that's the last little bit about Mexico, because now we're going to get to the nitty-gritty, beautiful parts of Romania. So out there, I was there for a total of six weeks in Romania, specifically Transylvania. Um, and that was so beautiful, <laughs> so warm. We spent most of the time in tents as well. I didn't have signal for those six weeks, and I was able to completely disconnect from the, not necessarily the, you know, internet, but I was able, like, to really connect with nature. And I think it was my second week where we had people, once again, from the local area, you know, who are very much aware that if we're going into the woods, we will come across some bears. So they have bear maces, um, and they do, like, these bear calls. And there was one time where we saw fresh bear poop on our path. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, that's absolutely fascinating. Like, we might have to veer off into a completely different direction because we don't want, if it's fresh, we don't want to, you know, yeah. cross that path anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we made a sharp right and we kept walking down like this very heavily wooded path. But it's the, you know, it's further away from the bear, as or so we thought. And. All of a sudden, we're doing like our clapping, our hooting and hollering to know or to let the bear know that we're there. So it needs to move out. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, when somebody does that clap, you see these giant like bush just start to shake. The whole vegetation around us is just shush, 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 shush. And the next thing you see or you hear are just these bear paws going stop, 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 stop. And we are screaming at the top of our lungs so that the bear, you know, gets frightened. And it's like, oh, okay, got to go. Like, (laughs) these are a threat. Um, And I even have to bark (laughs) because if you imitate a dog, you know, dogs, you know, for bears at least, they exert a lot of energy for bears to even think about killing them. So nine times out of ten, if they hear a dog sound or bark, they'll veer away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause they're like, that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of time. I don't have time for that. I'm going away. And what? Mm. the bear left. <laughs> I'm here to tell the story, oh my gosh. but we were less than 10 feet away from a bear and a brown bear. At that. And Heather, I, if you're just joining us, I'm talking to Heather Williams and she has her master's in wildlife conservation and management. And she has always been an animal lover, a, a a creature lover is what I call her. And and so one day I asked you, I said, Heather, is there any creature that you are not fond of? That's the way I, I, I phrased it. What is your answer to that question? Oh, like now looking at it? Mm-hmm. But any creature I am not fond of, there's only one. There's only one. Okay. And the one that I am not a fan of are huntsman spiders in Australia. Because uh, I've been, <laughs> well, they are overtly friendly, if that makes sense. They don't understand their size. Uh, they're about bigger than the size of your hand, even though their body is maybe your thumb size. They have these really, really long, hairy legs, and they growl. They're not venomous. They're not at all going to bite you, but they love to do jump scares. So huntsmen are very jokey and... I think they just have this very pranky personality 
where they'll literally just, if you're driving in Australia, they will just drop in front of you as you're driving, just mm-hmm. to, like, hop on your lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just out of pure, like, ha-ha, I gotcha. <laughs> animals like that where the logic is almost human-like i'm like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh my gosh you keep your space i keep my space but anything else i am totally here for from everything small as flies to as big as bears i'm here for it and and so tarantulas scorpions all of that all of that is okay in your world 100 percent. I, I came across a lot of tarantulas and scorpions in uh, mexico Absolutely adored them. They were fast, so fascinating to watch. This is this is just I, I could just talk to you because I just try to get the philosophy of how your brain thinks differently than most people are thinking. You know, a bear. Oh, that's scary. I'm going to run. You know, a tarantula. Oh no, that's not good. But you don't think that yeah. way. What did you tell me about flies? What What did you tell me about why I should love flies? Yes. Okay. I can preach this to the high heavens. In Romania, we had a, a, this really, really nice woman. Her name is Erica McAllister. She works at the Natural History Museum in London. She travels the world teaching and preaching about flies. And me and her had the opportunity to sit down. And actually, no, we were going out and catching flies. And she was telling me that if you like chocolate, flies are the only pollinators in the world for chocolate. Flies. If that fly species, yeah, right? Mm. Flies. If that fly species were to, you know, decimate at some point, we would not have chocolate. We would not have chocolate. Not at all. We, we only have fake. Yeah. We only have about four minutes left. This is amazing. So, a couple of things I want to get to. What oh, yeah. are you doing now, and what are you going to do in the future? Ooh. So, right now, I am teaching in England. I teach full-time as a teacher. Um, I teach all three sciences, so biology, chemistry, and physics at the moment. Uh, and that's to secondary school, so high school, basically high schoolers and a little bit of middle schoolers because they do school slightly differently over mm-hmm. in the UK. That's been absolutely fascinating. And then in the future, I really want to dive into my love of flies. I just, I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. I'm starting an ecolo- ecology club at my school where we're going to go out and actually try to catch flies and ID them and just understand their importance because little guys go unnoticed. And I was like, you know, they're so important in terms Heather, of... Heather, 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 no. We, we see flies. Like, if we sit out on a patio and eat, we see the fly. We say, oh, I've got to kill the fly. We don't we don't think about it like you think about it. You, you see what I'm saying? I do. I do. Don't kill flies. If you want to take that energy, please just kill wasps. <laughs> okay, that's a different even, story, huh? Yeah, no, that's a completely different rant. Or even my butterflies. I, I've never really liked butterflies, um, but my my now dislike for them is justified because they're terrible pollinators. But bygones be bygones. Well, what about <laughs> what about ladybugs? Ladybugs actually really really good pollinators. I will give them that. They're really really cool. See, most <laughs> of the things that we that aren't in love with creatures think are okay, you are like, mm-mm. And the things that we're like, oh my gosh, you're like, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's wonderful. That's interesting to me. Oh, I think I've always been like that, yeah. Yeah, you have. I don't... <laughs> and Not so, even on purpose. And so the future <laughs> is, once again, I'm sorry, the future, what did you tell me for the future? I think I wanted to expand on my love for flies. So I definitely want to become an ecologist. 
And I think I want to become an entomologist, which is just someone who studies insects. I would love to travel the world and just see how their ecosystem's doing. And you can base that all on the insects that are present. It's really fascinating. And you can you can live off of that? You can make money off of that? Yes. Okay. Um, Do you have to go back to school I, for that? Uh, no, actually. So okay. the woman I was talking to uh, or about, Erica McAllister, she gets flown out throughout the world so that she can, you know, gauge what her the ecosystem's like just by the insects she's able to capture. Uh, but she's, she was literally in the Honduras mm-hmm. this year. She went to Scotland, the Netherlands, I believe like three other countries, completely paid for, expenses paid, bills paid, et cetera. <laughs> like, because no, who, who does that, you know? Mm-hmm. Who studies flies? It's such a niche area, mm-hmm. but it's so important. Okay. Well, I thank you for being a guest on the show today because... I've not been to Scotland. I've been to Mexico, but not like you. And I've never been to Romania, and I never thought about going. But now, listening to your adventures, I've never been to Wales. Maybe maybe so. You've opened our oh. eyes today, you know? Yay! I definitely <laughs> endorse. <laughs> My niece, Heather Williams, and she is, what? what is your title? You're, you're not a teacher. You're, what are you? You are a... MSc, so Master's of Science. Masters of Science. Okay. All right. I'm getting it. I'm so glad that you could take us on your adventures today. I might call on you on the future, especially with this climate and what's going on. We need to learn about that. But thank you for taking our time today. And um, I love and appreciate you. Oh, I love you too. We will talk soon, okay? We'll talk soon. I can't wait to see you. Okay. There you have it, Heather Williams. I'm sure Wilkerson. Thank you all for listening today. I appreciate it. I told you it was going to be fascinating, right? And um, you all have a great week. As always, behold the green and gold.